This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Those of you watching online, we're delighted you can be with us this morning too. Hope you have a Bible there someplace where you can get into the Word of God with us. Praise God. Hallelujah. Woo, glory. Aren't you glad for the cornerstone? Hallelujah. Christ alone, the cornerstone. Hallelujah. Well, we're so glad you're here. Glory to God. Delighted you can be a part of the service this morning. Amen. Praise God. The Bible says this is the day he's made for us to do what? And what else are we going to do? Yeah, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. You know, if a guy couldn't preach in here, he's probably not saved or called or anointed or something. I don't know, because I'll tell you what, glory to God. Aren't you thankful for our music uh, department and the team? Amen. Yeah, the rest of you ought to clap too. Let's all clap. Amen. They are... uh, they are exceptional, and I, uh, I appreciate so much uh, what it is that they do, uh, the efforts that they make. Um, Linda, our director, Linda uh, Bates, and what it is, you know, uh, she's, uh, she's a blessing, and uh, we're glad that, uh, and all of the rest of them, for that matter, I mean, I think about the uh, capabilities, competencies, and things, you know, whether it's vocals or instrumental or all of that. Uh, you don't get that every place. Hallelujah. Some places they're just making a joyful noise. And, uh, and that's okay. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not kicking against that. But I'm so thankful uh, for our team and the group and the people that are uh, participating there. I want to mention to you one thing that's important to me, and that is this next Sunday night at 6 o'clock. I want to extend an invitation to all of you and even maybe some of you that are watching online because you can't be here today. But I want to invite you uh, to come and pray uh, for our church. You say, well, what are we going to pray for? You know, the elections are coming up. Well, you can pray for the elections. I'm, I'm all about that if you want to do that. But, but we're going to focus our attention on the church, our church, and the future of our church. Our church is uh, just a few months away from being 44 years old. That's a long time. And I'm thankful for that part of it. But I'm really... Uh, interested in what it's going to do in the next 44, you know, and I want it to continue to be the life-giving church that it's been. And uh, there are a lot of forces that come against uh, the work of God, the will of God, the plan of God, the church of God. But you know, one thing Jesus said, he said, praise God, that uh, upon this church or this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So that's why I really want to um, pray for our church. And that that really means praying for one another. The Bible does say to pray one for another and so fulfill the law of Christ, isn't that right? And you know, every one of us as individuals, maybe as couples or whatever, uh, we're we're all on our own journey. We're we're heading toward uh, his land of promise. And within the context of that, Uh, there's issues, there's matters, there's things that we're having to deal with as human beings. And so we want to bring those things before the Lord and ask Him to help in every person's life so that we can continue to grow, continue to mature, continue really, you know, to fulfill the will of God on, on this earth. 
So we'll be praying uh, together, and, and again, I want you to come. Um, you, you, you know, Jesus asked a question, Couldn't, can't you just give me one hour? And uh, I'm, not, I'm not heaping some kind of, you know, condemnation thing on you or whatever the case might be, but yet kind of I am, <laughs> you know. You need to come and pray. Some of you are all jacked up and jaded and knotted up and whatever. A little prayer would probably just help you. Hallelujah. So again, please come. We're going to talk again about, you know, praying for the mission of the church and the, and the, and the future of our church and where it is that God wants us to go, what it is that he wants us to do. You know, the mission of our church, some of you say, well, you know, what is the mission of our church? The mission of this church has always been to teach people the word of faith and how that the word of God can change your life. And we have endeavored to do that in any and every way possible, to teach the word of faith, to reach people with the truth. You know, as a, I grew up in a mainline denominational uh, uh, church, and I didn't know the truth. I didn't know anything about salvation. I didn't know anything about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I didn't know anything about Christ's abundant life that he came to give. I didn't know any of that. I, 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 I had memorized a lot of stuff, but I didn't know the true heart of God. And so when I talk to you about what it is that we're about, what we want to do is we want to introduce people to the real Jesus, to the Lord Jesus Christ, and what it is that is with regard to his will for them. God's plan for their life. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk about that uh, this morning. So anyway, I hope that you'll carve out some time to join us uh, that evening. You say, well, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of a, an odd, you know, uh, you know, service. I mean, I'm not really familiar with that. Well, just come and feel uncomfortable for a while. <laughs> Hallelujah. And pretty soon you'll just forget about all that and you'll start to pray and it'll be great. Praise the Lord. So anyway, that's my... That's my uh, uh, advertisement for that. Praise the Lord. Did y'all bring a Bible with you? Let's open our Bibles together this morning to the book of Jeremiah chapter 29. I want to talk to you this morning about putting first things first. It's, it's kind of a lesson on priorities. Uh, I'm sure that you're going to be challenged in some way or another, but uh, again, you know, uh, I've been doing this for almost, well, almost 44 years, and uh, I've come to know that uh, if I don't give you something that's, that challenges you, uh, that at least gives you an opportunity to do some examining of your own personal life and help you grow, you know? How many of you want to grow? Well, how about the rest of you? You want to grow? Well, you're going to be challenged. That's the only way it is. You, you take a person that goes into a weight room and he can lift the same kind of weight or something lighter than what he's capable, and he's not going to grow. He's not going to develop. He's got to put himself up against something bigger than he is and push that thing through so that he can become what he wants to be. And the same thing's true with our own personal lives. I mean, you know, if you want to sit on the fence of life and just be what it is that you are, that's great. But typically speaking, you know, life is not static. You're either moving forward or backward. Are you listening to me? And so I know that all of you are here. You wouldn't be here this morning if you didn't want to move forward. So some of the things I share with you this morning I think will be of uh, uh, a, a bit of a challenge. But that's okay. Challenge me, you know. I mean, I'm just a delivery boy. You know, I, I you know figure out what it is that he wants me to do, at least what I think he wants me to do. And uh, I have to deal with what it is he talks to me about. So we're all in the same boat. Can you say amen? amen? 
and we're just all going to grow together here this morning. It's going to be good, and you'll be blessed. So anyway, let's pray together. We'll get into what I want to share with you. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you for just this season that we're in. Uh, we're so grateful, Father God, that we have the privilege of living in the last days. And Father, you said a lot of things would occur during this time frame, but you also said, Father God, that you would care for each and every one of us. And so we are so grateful that we can represent the kingdom of God in the generation in which we're now living. And Father God, I ask you to strengthen each and every one of us with might by your spirit in our inner man, the eyes of our understanding having been enlightened so that we can know in reality the hope of your calling. The, the riches of your inheritance we have as saints and also the exceeding greatness of your power to us who believe. And so I just thank you, Father, for these moments that we have together. As I share, thank you for utterance, Father, in the Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 29, it's a familiar portion of Scripture, but I want to read <clears throat> verses 11 through 13. And maybe what I should say in the context of this, 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 this passage is couched in, in the context of Israel being in bondage, all right? In other words, they, uh, because of their failure to obey God and their disobedience, they ended up uh, in, uh, in uh, bondage in Babylon. And uh, 70 years was determined based upon the duration of their disobedience. And so this is what God is speaking to them about that will occur on the backside of this judgment, all right? Notice what it says here, beginning in verse uh, 11. And I'm reading out of the New International uh, Version uh, this morning, and so it'll probably be up, yeah, it'll be up on the screen for you to be able to look at it there. But notice it says, now, this is God speaking. How many of you know the Bible is God speaking to you? I really want you to engage in what it is that I'm talking to you about here this morning, okay? Don't let things distract you or, you know, your mind just kind of wanders off on I don't know what. I want you to connect with what it is. I, I'm here as a spokesperson, as a representative of the kingdom of heaven. And, and what I have to say to you is important. It's not just, well, you know, I guess the preacher's got to preach something, so he's good. I'm telling you that I'm talking to you about things that are important to your father and to you. So it's important for you to just engage. I just want to encourage you. Yeah, but I've got so many. Forget about your problems, all right? We'll, we'll care for that later. Matter of fact, when we get done, you probably will realize, you know, I don't have so many problems after all. But it's important for you to listen. So <clears throat> here it is again. This is God speaking to you and I, and he makes this statement in these verses, for I know the plans I have for you. God has some plans for you. He's got divine destiny upon your life. You say, well, I'm older now. I don't care. You know, since when did that matter? Some of the greatest things that people have ever done were done in the latter years of their life. We were just uh, preparing, you know, getting ready this morning. We we're in the bathroom, got TV on, Joyce Myers preaching. And she was talking about the fact that she is 16 months away from being 80. That's amazing. Okay. 
And I mean, you know, you would never know by looking at her that she's nearly 80 years old, but she is. And here she is preaching to thousands of people in these auditoriums weekly, I, or, you know, however often that she does her deals. So <clears throat> there are these divine plans that God has for us. It isn't like, you know, you get about so far down the road in your life and all of a sudden God just pulls the plug, okay? Well, you can coast now. No, praise God. As long as you have breath, there's purpose that God has for your life. And so he says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans, now here they are, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. He said, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And then he goes on to say, and I'll bring you back or out of captivity. Now, the reason I use this scripture, of course, is, is that um, it's so blatantly clear about the will of God. It's probably one of my most favorite verses of scripture in all the Bible. Because, you know, as a kid growing up and as an adolescent, teenager, and different things like that, I didn't know the will of God. I didn't know anything about the will of God. Now, like I said, I was in a church, but I didn't, I, I, you know, I was disconnected. I was going because my parents essentially made me go. They stayed home and I went to Sunday school. You know, what's wrong with that? A lot of things, you know? And, and, and so, so it didn't have, church did not have a, a, a living spot within my life. It, it wasn't, it was something I did. It wasn't something that I was a part of. Does that make sense to you? And the reason was, is because my heart had no connection to it. Okay, I'm just, I'm going through the, mo a lot of people go through the motions. See, <clears throat> it's one thing to go to church. People say, oh yeah, I go to church. Well, <clears throat> that's great. But you know, there's something far greater about go than, than going to church, and that is being the church. And we've really gotten away from really being the church. And I'll, I'll unpack that a little bit later in the message that I'm sharing with you, but but, you know, thank God you come to church. But the reality is, is in the day and age that we're living in, the frequency of people's involvement in church is declining. Churches are declining. All kinds of things are declining. Uh, I don't know, there was some statistical thing I just r recently heard, you know, where for the first time in like forever, uh, <clears throat> the number of churches being birthed is in decline, you know. So you say, wow, that's not such good news. Well, true, but maybe it's because the church isn't being the church. Okay? You say, well, what's that mean? Later, later. You get to learn about that later. So <clears throat> it is a favorite scripture of mine, and the reason being is because it is so blatantly clear, and it so open reve reveals the true heart and the nature of our Heavenly Father toward people. The plans I have for you, listen to it. The plans I have for you are to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope, and to give you a future. 
That is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is what makes that possible for you and I in the New Testament. Can you say amen? amen. And so it's important for us to, 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 to see this as it's brought out in, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> as it's brought out in bold relief. I mean, bold. I know the plans. Look at it again. Put it up there again. Look at it again. I want you to get your beady little eyes on this verse. You say, well, what'd you learn today? I learned uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you. So personalize it in your own heart. Don't let it just be some, well, you know, yeah, you use that scripture. No, I know the plans I have for you. This is a love letter that's being written from your heavenly father, his heart to you. And he says, my plan for you is that you would prosper and I am not here to harm you. Now that's a good, that's good news. Because as a kid growing up, I thought that's exactly what I was looking, uh, you know, what I had coming. Because I was ornery. Any of you were ornery? Absolutely. Not to harm you. You know, a lot of people, you know, they're fully aware of their sinfulness. And, and they're fully aware of how messed up they are. And I will guarantee you that there is a host of humanity out there that are not coming to God because they do not feel that they deserve it. And they would be right. But what they don't know about the message of Jesus is that in our sin, while we were without powerless to help ourselves, Christ came and died just for them and for you. So he says, I know the plans I have for you. They're plans to probably not to harm you, to give you hope. You say, there ain't no hope. You know, I'm telling you, you know, these Republicans and these Democrats, I mean, they're just, they're screwing everything up and blah, 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 blah. But we'll, let me ask you an important question. Since when was your hope and your future in them? You say, yeah, but they're just tearing everything up and they're doing this and that and the other. Obviously, but I'm just telling you right now that as far as you are concerned, child of God, that's his plan. Okay? Now, I don't know how that's going to work out, but I know this much, he's faithful. So I'm going to hang on to him. So many people, oh, I tell you what, man, you know, if we get this whole thing done, you know, here during this midterm, everything's going to turn around, everything's going to be great. I don't know if I'd put my, all my eggs in that basket. Why? Because of human beings. Put your hope in him and be glad. Hallelujah. I can tell you right now that if I don't pick up the pace, there ain't no way I'm ever going to get done with what I want to talk to you about. Hallelujah. Too many rabbit trails. Let me give you a couple of companion scriptures to the one that I just mentioned to you. Jesus made these statements. He said this. He's talking to his disciples. How many disciples do we have here today? How about the rest of you? What's the matter? Are your arms tied down? Are you just... Haven't had enough caffeine? What's going on here? This is what Jesus said in John 15, 16. You have not chosen me. 
You know, people say, well, you know, I gave my heart to the Lord like it's a big deal. Well, it is a big deal, but guess what? He's the one that brought the salvation to your life. So you just finally got smart enough to surrender your heart to him. So you really didn't do anything, okay? So you didn't choose me, I chose you. God chose you. You're here today because he chose you. And I tell you what, praise God, he loves you just like you are. You say, I'm a mess. He likes messes. All of us got our stuff, baggage, and he doesn't care. Aren't you glad? Because of the love that he has toward us. So he says, you, didn't, you, didn't, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And I ordained you. Now listen, I ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. Everybody say, bring forth fruit. Bring forth fruit. And that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, I'll give it to you. Another scripture that Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2 and 9, he said, but you, well, the King James says, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that you should go and show forth the virtues of him that called you out of darkness. Did you know you got called out? So we're no longer in darkness, we're in the light. And because we're in the light, we live differently. We live by a different set of standards. We do things because of the kingdom of heaven and the blood of Jesus and his indwelling presence. Now, in another translation of 1 Peter 2 and 9, it says this, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. And then it goes on to say, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You can. Everybody say, I can. You sure can. Hallelujah. So these verses we see from the scriptures that God's plan or the will of God, you could say, for the child of God is for you to be blessed. God wants to bless your life. We're talking about putting first things first. He wants to bless your life. Read Deuteronomy chapters 1 through uh, Deuteronomy 28 verses 1 through 14. He said, if you keep my commandments, do that which is right in my sight. All these blessings will come on you and overtake you. And then he says, blessed will you be, blessed will you be, blessed will you be, blessed will you be, blessed will you be. How many of you know God wants to bless your life? In Psalm 1, in verse 1, it said, blessed is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands, you know, or sits, uh, stands in the yeah, way of sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in it is, he meditate day and night, and he's going to be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bring forth season, or fruit in their season. Their leaf also will not wither, and whatever they do, they'll prosper. His will for the church is to be blessed. You don't need to apologize for it. You need to get excited because of what it is he wants to do in your life. But here's a question for you this morning. Where, so if that's the case, what about the disparity? What about the Christians that 
aren't doing so well? What about people that have called on the name of the Lord that are struggling or maybe they're not even in the game? They're not in the church. They're not, they're not anywhere. But, you know, the blood of Jesus has at least purchased them. They're not living victoriously. They got issues. Huh? Maybe you're one of those people. I don't know. So it's a, it's a, it's a good question. We're, we're, how come the disparity? What's, what is it that the, 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 the problem here? And, and, you know, we see, I don't know about you, but I see people, you know, Christians, they're indifferent to the things of God. They're kind of ho-hum, you know. A lot of them, they're not going to church anymore. COVID really, uh, <laughs> that brought out the best in everybody, didn't it? Huh? COVID didn't change the commitment of people. What COVID did is just reveal it. Ouch. Statistically speaking, I don't know if this is true or not, but I don't have any reason not to. But 20% of the people that were attending church before COVID don't attend church anymore. I know we've seen in our church, you know, I mean, you know, there are people showing up from other places. Why? Because our church was open and theirs wasn't. And some of you may be those people. And we thank God for your, your, your involvement, your, your engagement, your being here. And we're glad that we can communicate the word of God to you. But what about those other folk? Now, I don't know within our church if 20% are gone or not, but some are. You say, well, what's the problem there? Is it God? You know, is it, is it his fault? Is it the church's fault? Is it the preacher? It's probably the preacher's fault. You know, more likely. No, it's none of those people. The problem isn't with God, the church, or the pastor, or even your spouse. Okay? So who's that leave? You. You. Now, I don't know, you know, again, I don't know what people's um, reasonings are But if we are not engaged within kingdom business, then there's a problem. It's pretty simple, okay? And uh, you're probably sitting there today thinking, oh, thank God I'm in church today, you know? I'll tell you where and why there's the disparity for two reasons. You ready? Now, there may be more, but, you know, just go with me on this. It's about your heart. It's about where your heart is. And the second thing, it's about your head. And when I say that, I'm talking about, you know, how you think, maybe what you don't know, or maybe what you think you know. Say, well, could you explain that a little bit further to us? Uh, Maybe, yeah. We'll see, you know. I'll give you my own example, I've, I've because I don't know about you, but I know about me. Before I knew Christ, uh, there were so many things I didn't know. You know, it's kind of what people have told me, different things. And, and, and when I did get saved, there was stuff I had to unlearn. How many of you can attest to that? Because I thought this. Look at Peter. You know, he thought that Jesus, well, not thought, but he believed that he was the Messiah. But he thought that he was going to come up with a, a, a natural kingdom, that he was going to overthrow the government, and we we're going to start all over again, and we're just going to, pardon me, kick butt and take names, and we'll just, you know, get her all cleaned up. And he died. He was crucified. They killed him. They murdered him. 
And when that happened, you know, remember Peter, he was in the garden? I mean, he pulled the sword out. He said, okay, man, let's go. And Jesus had to stop him, heal the guy, put his ear back on his head, and say, that's not the way this is going to work. So when all that went down, dude, this guy, I mean, he went from flying like this to being upside down going, I don't know what to believe. And there's a lot of folk in the church today that are in the same boat. Something's happened. I don't know what it is. But, you know, the thing about it is, is when things like that happen, it's not the time to be running from the church. It's time to run to the church. Are you with me? And maybe more importantly than the church is to run to God. Because ultimately, that's where your answer is going to come from as to why it is it's going on. Because again, you all, you, all of a sudden you have this disparity to the text that we just got done reading. I know the plans I have for you that are prosper you, not to harm you, give you hope, give you a future. They're going, yeah, right, whatever. Am I in the right house? So, you know, how do you, get, how do you navigate with that? I mean, wh- where is the, the problem? Well, it's an issue of the heart and it's an issue of the head. Hallelujah. Because again, I didn't know. I mean, but you know, I mean, even now, here I am, 45, 6, 7, however long I've been saved, going down the road, you know, and I'm still, there's stuff I'm still learning that I don't know. Because all of a sudden, you know, as you go down the road of life, you come to learn a lot of things, especially as you get older. I didn't say old, okay, but as you get older, all of a sudden, you know, there's wisdom that you have that you didn't have. There's, and, and this is probably the biggest thing, you have context. You know, when you're young, you, 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 know, you don't necessarily have a point of reference to come from, but as you go down the road of life, all of a sudden, and, and that's, why we, that's why we need people of age in our life to help us. And, and you might say, well, you know, I don't, I don't hardly get that. Well, just... Stay in the boat with them because if they love you and they're communicating to you and they're trying to help you, even though you might not get it. Does that make sense to you? You know? And so, but the biggest issue is one of heart. And the relationship we hold with our Heavenly Father is one of your heart. And, and, And what I mean by that, let me try to help you see that because everything in the scriptures, I mean, our relationship with God is, is heart to heart, his heart and our heart. And he knows your heart better than you do. Huh? Yeah. But, but the relationship we have with him is, is just that. In other words, it's, it's, it's intimate. It's, it's close. It's, uh, how would I say, honest. Lots of people aren't honest with themselves, and they're not honest with God. Okay? We're all in the same boat, so don't, you know, feel like, well, oh my God, I'm the only one. Nope. Everybody. A lot of times we're not on. Again, I come back to my own experience. You know, people told me I need to give my heart to Christ. I knew that, but I didn't want to. If I'm honest, I don't want to. Why? Because I think if I do that, I'm going to have to give up this, and I won't be able to be with my flaky, funky friends, and I, you know, all these different kinds of things. Man, I'm wrestling with what I know is true, but I, I, I'm, I'm holding on to something else until I finally, driving down a road, gave it all up. 
And see, God knows when you give it all up. He also knows when you don't. You say, well, how do you, how do you know which one's which? Well, you know when it is and you know when it's not. But our relationship with God is, it's honest, it's, it's transparent. And I think sometimes that's one of the reasons why we have so many problems. We're not, we're not really honest with God. We're not really transparent. It's real. It's, 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 it's raw. You know, sometimes we got pain in our lives and we got stuff going on and we don't know what, we don't have the answer and we're all jacked up, you know, and, and, and turned upside down and things like that. And, and um, is this making any sense to you? Because this is where people are. And, <clears throat> you know, I mean, honestly, people don't want to stand bare before God or naked before God. But the truth of the matter is, that's what has to happen. And, and, and when we do that, that's when transformation takes place. Otherwise, we're just playing the game. Are you with me? Yeah. We're talking about putting first things first, amen? Aren't you glad you came today? Yes, and it's so important for us to understand these things. You know, in our, our text, go back with me if you would, and notice with me um, the 13th verse of Jeremiah 29, 11. Or actually, yeah, the 13th verse of 29. Notice it says here, um, well, verse 12 says, then shall you call upon me, and, I will, uh, and you will go and pray unto me, and I will listen to you. I'll hearken to you. Now notice this. And you will seek me and find me. Now notice this. When you search for me, how? With all your heart. You'll find him. You want, you want to find God? You want to find out about your deal and whatever it is going on? That's the way it happens. When you, when you search with him, or towards him, search him with all your heart. Hallelujah. I'm so glad, praise God, that many of us have done just that. You know, um, here's another verse of Scripture. In uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5 and 29, I want you to hear the heart of your heavenly Father toward you. Notice what it says here. Oh, oh, that there were such an heart in them. In who? In us, in people. Oh, that there was such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always. Now listen, that it might be what? How many of you want it well with you? Key, right here. Oh, that there was such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep my commandments, huh, always, so that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Amen. That's why men, fathers, teach your kids God, okay? Teach them God. You say, well, how do I do that? You live for God and you show them how you live. That's part of it, at least. But you know, <laughs> people are saying, well, you know, the world's so screwed up. Yeah, it is. It's pretty messed up. How many of you agree with that? Well, that was pretty hearty. Hallelujah. But the reason that the world is messed up 
or we have such a mess in the world is because people don't, they no longer fear God. And that's not only true with sinners, that's also true with saints. Come on. People have rejected God. Rejected God. They said, we don't need God. Well, they're going to find out. They're going to find out how much they need God. And hopefully it's not too late. You know, um, <clears throat> my notes are not the way they're supposed to be. Sorry. All of a sudden, I'm, a, I'm in a, a super big quandary here because the guy who was running the typewriter or the computer typewriter, yeah, he messed up. Where's my questions? Oh, here they are. I guess it's right there. I just had to find it. What does it mean to fear God? Let's just take a little side journey here. Would that be all right? Yeah. What does it mean to fear God? Because that verse of Scripture says, oh, that there was such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep my commandments always. What does it mean? Well, Ecclesiastes 8 and 12 says this, though a sinner does evil a hundred times. We see this. We, you know, we're, we're wanting to call fire down on some of these politicians. Huh? Lie in the same house. Come on. Talking about being honest here today. Let it burn, baby. <laughs> Jesus told his disciples, you don't know what spirit you're of, you know. <laughs> you know, well, anyway, that's another side thought. <clears throat> Where was I? Yeah, call them fire down on them. Hallelujah. Um, um, Huh? Yeah, fear God. <clears throat> kind of, I don't know, Jeff. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> it's kind of humorous anyway. Oh, I was reading this scripture. That's what I was doing. I was reading the scripture. Okay? Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and his days are prolonged. You know, don't you wish some people would just go away? You guys, you're so you dishonest bunch of outfits. Not me, I ain't saying nothing. Yeah, and his days are prolonged, yet I surely know that it will be well with those who what? Fear God, who fear before him. So again, what does it mean? Well, a lot of definitions you could probably give to this, but I'd like to suggest to you that fearing God is to honor what it is he says, to honor his word over your wishes, desires, and will. Think about it with me for a minute. What does it mean to fear God? When God says something, I'm all about that. Even though I have other wishes, desires, and whatever. God tells me, you know, your flesh wants to control your life, and if you let it or allow it, it'll basically destroy you. Lots of people end up, you know, abusing their bodies and different things, die prematurely. Why? Because they let their flesh control them. Well, when you read the Bible, the Bible says your flesh is not to be in control of you, you're to be in control of it. Huh? So if you fear God, you're going to listen to what the Bible has to say, and you're going to make some changes that need to be made. Does that make sense to you? 
You say, well, I can't. Well, maybe you in and of yourself, you can't, but thank God greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You can do all things through him who strengthens you. You know, those are the things that we have to get a hold of when it comes to that. So again, to fear God is to honor his word over, and, and, and probably I could just cut it off right there. People that fear God listen to what he says and says, and they say, that's it. In other words, the word is final authority. We don't try to reason our way out of it. We don't try to, you know, well, yeah, but you know now, come on. I mean, you know, really, I mean, maybe that's not really what, you know, all of that. We just, we do away with that. We say, right here, okay? I use the example all the time. People say, well, you don't have to go to church all the time to be a good Christian. Well, no, you don't. But, you know, good Christians usually uh, end up in church. See, the thing about it is, is that there's an underlying root of problem to that statement. Because all of a sudden now, church has become a duty instead of a privilege. In other words, we're not really, our mindset isn't about coming and worshiping God and honoring the Lord and being a part. There are so many people in this congregation that have had to wrestle with the idea of driving the distance to attend this church. And through a a course of a lot of different things and so on and so forth, they've come to realize that I'm going to go where the Word of God is being preached, where I can be fed, where my family can be nurtured and so on and so forth. And, And they made a decision. You know, when we closed our church, uh, our satellite church in Council Bluffs, uh, some people vaporized. And you know the reason why? Because they didn't want to drive 20 miles. 20 miles. Well, okay. If you don't want to do that, then go find another church. And a lot of them, they (laughs) they don't go find another church. They just don't do it. I remember one time, I've shared this story with you before, but, uh, you know, it's talking about the disconnect that people have in their minds. I went up to a counter one time, and and I was talking to the gal who was behind the counter. And somehow or another got engaged in, 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 in this conversation, and I said, so are you a person of faith? Oh, yeah, I'm a believer. I said, really? I said, where do you attend church? She goes, ah, it's that, uh, it's that church out there, uh, Fellowship, fellowship of fellowship. I'm standing there, I'm the stinking pastor, and she's telling me, she says, that's my church. And I'm standing there, you know, now all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I'm frozen in time. I can't, can't function. And uh, I said, really? I said, uh, what's the pastor's name? Um, I don't know. Um, uh, I, I think Pastor Mike. I said, well, I'm him. <laughs> and I don't want to tell you, dude, this woman got about that tall. I mean, she just wanted to crawl underneath the counter. You know, people, there are people who say that this is their church, and they haven't been here for years, literally years. Oh, yeah, that's our church. No, it's not. May I say, just candidly and honestly, this is not your church. When you don't show up, are you listening to me? It's not your church. You know, now, and, and what, why am I saying this? I'm, you know, I'm, not, I'm not trying to beat anybody up, but I'm, you know, some of these things need to be addressed. 
That's all. Because of people's thinking. Would you, wouldn't you agree? I mean, I mean, how can you be a part of something when you're not there? You know? Maybe, you know, this one preacher was talking. This is another preacher. This wasn't me. He was talking about how people, you know, have decided that they're just going to go to church online. You know, watch the live stream and whatever the case might be. So this pastor, he was saying, that's great. That'd be wonderful. So when you die, uh, can we do that, like, through Zoom or, you know, some video deal? I didn't say that. I kind of liked it, but I didn't say it. Well, anyway. Y'all still glad you came? Yeah. Guys, it's almost 11 o'clock. My son would be done by now. I tell you what, this kid, I mean, he's, yeah, he's much more. Anyway, here's the thing. We're talking about what does it mean to fear God. I, I like to suggest to you that fearing him is in direct proportion to what you obey. Wouldn't that be, is that safe? You know, Joseph, when he got propositioned by Potiphar's wife, what did he say? He said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against Potiphar? No, he didn't say that. He said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? See, that's fearing God. And I will guarantee you that Potiphar's wife was not some old snaggletoothed, unkept, probably needed a different pair of shoes and some clothes, okay? I will guarantee you that she was a temptation. And yet, he feared God more than he did that moment of whatever. Are you listening to me? That's fear. That's, you know, we, <clears throat> when we got saved, one of the big deals that, I mean, we heard it preach and preach and preach and preach. Your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. You need to glorify God in your body. So that means if you're not married, you don't get in bed with someone of the opposite sex. Today, people think nothing of it. And I'm talking about sometimes even in the church. Well, I don't know if you knew this or not, but marriage is sacred. And it is holy. And, and, and that person does not belong. You know, if you really love someone, then you wouldn't sin against them in doing that. Well, now that's a new thought. That thought in the world doesn't even exist. You know? I remember, you know, people, you know, the parents would say, you know, I think that, the, I think that uh, my daughter or my son or whoever, they probably ought to live together for a while to see whether or not they're compatible or not. Dude, that is a, that is a doctrine from hell. And this is what I've noticed is they live together for a while, and then they think everything's all hunky-dory. Now, understand that they're outside the umbrella of God's blessing and canopy, but why? Because they're fornicating or committing adultery or whatever it is that they're doing, and then they decide, well, maybe we ought to get married. Well, now they get underneath the canopy of God's grace and blessing, and the devil says, well, I don't like that. We're going to tear this up. Happens all the time. Why? Because we don't regard the Word of God. We want it to be our way. We want to, you know, let the Bible speak all right as long as it speaks the way we want it to. 
We're talking about what does it mean to fear God? Are you with me? Hallelujah. I can just tell you this right now. Now is not the time to compromise. Now is the time to clean up. And really the whole crux of my message and why it is and I'm talking to you about putting first things first is because we're just living in perilous times. And you, you don't have... You know, it's like the options are getting narrower. Does that make sense to you? You know, in other words, when Paul was writing to the church there at Ephesus, he says, listen, listen, listen. He says, be careful how you live. And and that's true not only, you know, with, with some of the things that we just described. It's true about the things that you say. It's true about the way that you think not being judgmental, all of those different kinds of things that go along. Because I'm telling you, we live in a world where you can get pretty judgmental. You can get cynical. You can get critical. Am I in the right house? Remember, this morning, we're all being honest. Yeah, you can. But you just have to really guard your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the issues of life. So the reason many people, God's people, You know, they don't experience God's best in their life. Now, listen, I'm going to make this statement to you, and I'm just, it, it goes for everyone. But the reason that it's going on is because their heart is divided. Their heart's divided. You say, well, I don't like you very much. Well, you will. You know, why? Because I love you enough that I'm going to tell you what's going on. People, what in the world is going on? Well, I'm, I'm telling you what, the, what in the world is going on. It's in a mess because people no longer regard God. They reject God. They don't need God. They think they don't anyway. And we got all this stuff going on. And then you got sin in the church. People are doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And when you do that, it renders the church powerless. And it renders your life powerless. And then all of a sudden, nothing is going the way that you want. you got a clean house. I didn't make the rules, but I know what the rules are. Are you listening to me? And so it's not the time to compromise, man. It is the time to get our house in order and to be in a place where God wants us to be. That's why some people don't, give, don't get saved. It's because they, they, they won't give God everything. They won't give him all. That's the reason why people don't get, you know, they have problems in their life or their relationships or their whatever. It's why? Because they won't give God everything. Are you with me? But you can. I said you sure enough can. Why? Because he says, I know the plans I have for you that are prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and give you a future. So we can't do anything about what other people do, but thank God we can sure do something about our own. When my wife and I got saved, we were all in. And the reason being is, is because, well, we feared God. The reason she got saved is because she knew that if she would have died, that she would have wound up in hell. She lost one of her brother-in-laws. Said, if that had been me, I know that I would not have made heaven. And it set her on a pursuit to find God, and she found God. And, and, and through that process, I did as well. And so I, I gave my heart, all of it, to him on that road north of Bibitown, all of it. 
And, and, and we, we said, we're going to live for God. We're going to serve God. We're going to clean house. We're going to get stuff out of our life that doesn't belong there. And we're going to do the right thing. And I've got to tell you, my friends, I am so ever grateful that those decisions were made back then because our life is wonderful. But it's only because of him. Are you listening to me? And, you know, anybody's life can be blessed if they're willing to do what it is that he tells you to do. And, and I got to tell you, when we made that decision, it wasn't socially acceptable. We had friends that gave their hearts to the Lord, but just like the Bible says, you know, when affliction, persecution for the word's sake arose, when, when people found out they'd given their hearts to God and they were going to live for God, they, they put the full court press on. And, and guess what? They didn't pass the test because of the need for social acceptance in their life. And some of us went through literally hell because we chose him over them. Are you with me? And the same thing's true even in families. I mean, I remember, you know, people were making these decisions and they weren't going to go back to a dead church. They were going to go someplace, you know, where the word of God was being preached. And I'm telling you, all hell broke loose in their immediate family. Because they were making decisions. You know, family back then, we're talking 45, 50 years ago, it was a big deal. I mean, family was a big deal. And I guess to some degree it still is. But, but you know, you just didn't, you didn't break rank when it came to family. Well, when you got saved, it said, well, you know, our family just isn't following God. I mean, that's really what you were saying. One time we got the question asked, what's wrong with our church? Well, um, we're not here to judge what is and isn't, you know. We just feel like in our heart that this is something we need to do. Am I in the right house? In other words, there's a choice that had to be made, and it wasn't socially acceptable. You know, here, listen, the the church is a different standard, you guys. It's a, it's, it's a different standard. He's, he's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So, well, you know, now what is it? How do you define darkness? Anything that displeases him. Thank you. Anything that displeases him. Now, again, I didn't make the rules, but... Sometimes, listen, you guys, not being accepted is the price of entering the kingdom. That's all. And, and here's the thing you need to understand, you guys. As a believer, when you make those decisions, it's not about us being prudish. You know what I mean by that? It, that's not it. It's just we, we have, you know, we used to sing a song, I found a new way of living. I found a new life divine. I have the fruit of the Spirit. I'm abiding, abiding in the vine. Abiding in the vine, abiding in the vine. Love, joy, health, peace. Jesus made them mine. And it goes on. But you can't have that in the world. You can't have that in the world. And I'm telling you what, there's people in the world, they don't have peace. They don't have joy. There's Christians. They don't have peace, and they've become cynical. Don't ever let that happen to you, you guys. Don't ever become critical. 
Are you with me? Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Nuts. Yeah, we'll just talk about this some other time. Maybe next week. How about that? Yeah. So here's, uh, let me conclude. Linda, if you want to go to the piano, you may. Ask yourself the question. Maybe you don't even know what the answer to this is, but ask yourself the question, what are your non-negotiables as a believer, as a child of God? What are the things that are not an option? Okay. Everybody has to go through this process, I think. You know, you just have to say, no, no, we're, no we, don't, we don't do that. Uh, we don't participate in this or that or the other or whatever. Um, so what are they? Maybe you need to sit down and pray and ask God, God, what should my non-negotiables be? Not going to party like the rest of the, you know, the world and do whatever it is that they do and and, and again, I'm not saying that to be prudish. You can have a great time in Christ Jesus and not have to participate in the unfruitful, you know, works of the world. Are you listening to me? And, and I never really finished that, you know. I mean, I guess I did, but I didn't. But, you know, when, when Joan and I made these decisions in our life that we were going to follow him and live for him, um, there was definite pushback, lots of pressure and different things of that nature on, you know, from different various things. But we'd already made our decision. And I tell you what, that really makes it a whole lot easier, you know, because then you're not wrestling in the moment trying to decide what, what you are and aren't going to do. But on the other hand, you know, <clears throat> I, I wasn't, I, you know, even though it may be perceived that way, you know, well, they just think they're better than we are. You ever heard that one? You know, I mean, I mean, it, it comes across, I mean, you know, and, and that was never, ever, 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 God knows our heart, ever our intent. You know, we just, we're going to become followers of him. And that, and that meant doing life a different kind of way. So, you know, when we read that scripture there um, in First Peter, um, we read it chapter 2 and in verse 9, I read it out of this scripture. He said, you're not like that because you're a chosen people. You are royal priests. You're a holy nation. You're God's very own possession. So as a result, listen, you can show others the goodness of God because he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful life. So... You know, some people are going to recognize that and they're going to um, open their heart up to God's possibilities in their lives. Others aren't. And they'll, they'll cast you aside. They'll kick you. I know now, you know, even now, you know, when I walk into uh, certain places within the community I've grown up in all my life, you know, you, you'll, you'll see some people that are a bit more endeared or warm to you. And you'll, you'll see others, man, they're just cold as ice they're just ticked they don't want you around or anything of that nature so what do you do you know well i love them man praise god just get it right up in the middle of their grill if they're uncomfortable let's make them more uncomfortable hallelujah 
You know, and, and, and so I'm, again, I'm, I'm saying that in the context, we don't have to be prudish about this. We don't have to apologize or be ashamed. But praise God, you can be your own person. Why? Because God's called you as an ambassador of his. So it's not a, 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 a move of arrogance or anything of that nature, but they need your testimony. They need to know that you are committed to Christ and that you're a believer in the creator of heaven and earth because it may move them to a place of salvation, repentance, and, and a whole life change for them. Can you say amen? amen. So um, here's one more thing. I'm going to uh, mentally take the clock and take a hammer and smash it right now, okay? Because everything that I've said to you is for right now. Everything. I mean, this, this is that moment where we get in touch with our heart and Him and say, okay, God, I, I wanna, I gotta adjust and I wanna make some changes. So, so when I talk to you about these things and you know, however it is that it was communicated as you're listening today, different things may have come up within your, ooh, I need to maybe do something about that or you know, whatever. Maybe it's a relational thing. You've been harsh in your speech or your actions or you know, uh, uh, <laughs> this is a funny, so, but this morning, um, I was getting around, got my deal, and I wanted to get something out of the refrigerator in the basement, so I went down, I'm pretty much ready to go, and I got everything, and, and um, I heard a door close, and I thought Joan had went out into the garage. So I just got my stuff and, you know, uh, uh, was heading out the door. Well, I called for her, I said, Joan. I didn't hear anything from her. Well, she happened to be in the closet, is where she was, and the door was shut, so she didn't hear me. So I thought, well, she must be outside. So I went out into the garage, got the, opened the door, you know, and got, <laughs> got in the truck, and we're getting ready to, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm just waiting. And so when she comes out, she, she can't find me. You know, where's she at, you know? So finally, she opens up the garage door, she sees me sitting in the, in the truck, and she says this she, in her mind, you know, it just kind of came to her, she says, well, are we not speaking? You know, I mean, I, I missed the memo. I don't, you know, where, where did that happen? Why is he, you know, in the truck? And so, and, and it's about this funny in our lives sometimes, you know, we're doing one thing, they're doing another thing, and we take the whole thing out of context and get, you know, it all jacked up and none of it amounted to anything. So she finally, you know, she closes the door, grabs up her stuff, comes out, gets in the truck, and we have this conversation, you know, and, uh, um, you say, why'd you share all that? Because sometimes people, you, you don't even talk to each other for three days. <laughs> and listen, just keep your head straight ahead. Don't, 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 don't agree or nothing. But it happens. Sometimes it happens not just in spousal relationships. It happens, you know, in family relationships and all kinds of things, you know. I mean, it's all over the place. So talking about your personal lives and maybe some things that came up on the inside of you today. What's, what's gonna drive the discipline for your change today? It's a good question. What is it that is gonna you know, move you towards 
whatever it is that you want to do. What's, again, what's going what's to cause you to change? Because you've got to have something to drive it. You know what I'm saying? And in other words, move it. Well, you know, Pastor, you said all these things, and I can see that, you know, I need to make these changes. Thing, and, I, and I'm okay with that. I, I think that's the reason why I'm the messenger boy. I think that's good. But I'd like to take that another step further to say to you that the thing that should drive you towards these decisions is because it's personal with him. Why am I doing it? Because of him, because of what I know about my heavenly father, about how he wants me to live. He doesn't want me in illicit relationships. He doesn't want me, you know, participating in the unfruitful works of darkness. He doesn't want me, you know, to be in strife with whoever. He doesn't want me, you know, whatever, you know, however that is that is defined. It's not about duty, you guys. God, I'm so glad that I got set free from religion that says, thou shalt not. You can't this, you can't that. Because it's not about that. It's about a relationship that we have with him and something he's asking us to do and we say yes. So in other words, it takes it out of the context of, you know, okay, I'm really gonna man up here and I'm gonna, you know, get with the program and I'm gonna do it. We've already seen what you can do. How about if we just lay all of that down and say, God, I'm a mess and I need you to help me. That's heart. With me? You know, and, and when we do that, then God says, I'm here. I'll help you. And we'll do it because he first loved us and we're choosing to love him. And we're gonna do it his way because again, it's personal. It's about loving him more than whatever it is that's within our lives. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Father, I wanna thank you today. Um, I don't know, we never really talked about putting first things first, although there's a context of that in this message, Lord. God, I just pray for everyone within the sound of my voice. And Lord, I, I, um, I'm not their judge. And um, I'm so glad judgment fell on your son. But we are here, Father, before you with our lives for you to speak to our hearts about how we are to live in these last days. So God, I pray for them. I ask you, Lord, to help them make these kinds of decisions in their heart and let their heart be the thing that drives the decision-making process so that real transformation can come. And I just thank you, Lord, for right now showing them how much you love them and how much you care for them. While your heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. If you're here today, and somehow by something that's been said or talked about here today, you've realized, I gotta make a change. I've been holding on to this thing. I've been holding it close to me and it's, it's, it's keeping me from being able to enter in. I don't wanna be like the guy that had his camel all laden down, he couldn't get it through the gate because of all this stuff. 
So if you find yourself in that place about something within your life, and you'd say by your uplifted hand, Lord, I, I got to get this straightened out. I, I want to do it right now. Can I see your hand? All right. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you so much, all of you. Yes, thank you. Are there others? Are there others? You just say, you know what, I'm, 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 I got to got to make a a course correction here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. I just want to uh, give vent to something that's come up within my spirit. Some of you may not understand this, um, but, but I'll explain it in just a moment. But I want to obey the Holy Ghost. Dangre seto brevis nella prangigidistaya. Feneste, ili popab registon jongur roma. Edevese, babust, nanan, gedeshnu, efrebes manchi, kadasteshuda. Am posto, befrebeshiko, legigamaha, and frefekesto so. Sapas to no mahange, and zimbrogis to talavish. For there is a will in heaven for your good and not evil or bad. The blessing of heaven awaits those who come to me with open hearts and open minds and receptive to what it is that I see. And if you will, in fact, walk in it, the blessing of God will surely come your way. And yes, life will be different for you because of what it is that you've chosen to do in your own heart. So, make your way to the altar. Let it be said of you, that you are a follower of him through and through. And yes, there will come grace, there will come blessing, and there will come reward, for there is a place in the body of Christ for people such as you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want to invite you to the altar. I want you to just stand up from wherever it is that you're at, and I want you to come. Now, maybe not everyone's going to come, but I'm just saying that, you know, if, if there's an application of that to your life, come right now. Please come. Thank you, Jesus. Just stand up and come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we wait upon you. Hallelujah. Yes, thank you, Lord. Bless you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Father in heaven, as we come before you as a people, God, we unpeel our hearts. Bring your grace. Through our repentance, Father, 
Help us to see as you see. Let the will of God be made manifest within our lives. God, we come to you today. Father, we come as a people. We come as a church. We come as those, Father, that stand before you. Lord, help us to remove our selfish ways, only living for ourselves and not for others. I thank you, Lord, for helping us to be the church. I thank you, Lord, for healing and mending people's lives, bringing about change, transforming them from the inside out. God, today is a, it's a new day for those who've come. And I just thank you, Father God, for your grace in their lives as they pray to you, as they talk to you, as they make their commitment, their decision to you. Those things, Father, that are non-negotiable within their lives anymore because of this day, today, I thank you for that. Now, while people are here at the altar and the congregation has their eyes closed and their heads bowed, is there anyone here this morning and you've never asked Christ to come into your heart, be the Lord of your life, be the Lord of your life? I'm not talking about fire insurance here, friend. I'm talking about giving him all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind. If that's you, I would love to have the privilege to pray with you so that you could know him in a real way, not a religious way, but a real way. So if there's anyone here, you'd say by your uplifted hand, Pastor, would you pray for me? Can I see your hand anywhere as I look? Anyone at all? Hallelujah. The Bible says today is the day of salvation and now is the accepted time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, Heavenly Father, I pray for those within the sound of my voice, those that may be watching online, Father, and I ask you to speak to their hearts, Lord. If they've never made that decision, God, work them through the process where they come to a place of, of full commitment and absolute surrender to you, Lord. God, help them to understand there is a heaven to gain, a hell to shun. And, and I just thank you, Father God, for your incredible, amazing grace within their lives that, that, that brings them to this place of repentance. And I just thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. All right, those of you at the altar, you're welcome to go.